And so take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 24. Psalm 24. The psalmist knew this, and then I want you to hold your spot and go back to Genesis 1-1, and then we'll get into today's message. The psalmist knew this very clearly. Listen, Psalm 24. When you're there, say amen. Psalm 24. And if you're new to the Christian faith, obviously take the front of your Bible, look at the table of contents, and go in and find where Psalm is, because you might hear something that I say today, and you go, well, no big deal. But God speaks to you today. If he speaks to you, listen, he's going to change your life. Is that true? So a word from God is obviously a word from God. Psalm 24, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says this, The earth is the Lord's and all of its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he founded it upon the seas, and he established it upon the waters. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. That's not a COVID verse. That's not clean hands. That's spiritually clean hands and a pure heart. Let me ask you a question. If you had to take an answer, a polygraph today before the Lord, the Lord knows everyone's hearts. How do you stand before the Lord? With clean hands and a pure heart? Would you say amen and I can actually enter to the presence of God? Or would you say, oh me? If everybody knew what I know about myself, no one would like me. No one would accept me. We've come to the place in America, especially this week, and especially with a new presidential election. Listen, you come to the place, you got people celebrating and people crying. Isn't that the way it is, always is? There's winners and losers all throughout life. And these generations have grown up with upward, right? Where everybody's a winner and gets a certificate and a tag. And just because you exist, you get you won. That's not the way it is in life. You win and you lose. And obviously, by the amount, many times, but effort that you put into life. Let me encourage you today, the Bible tells us to pray for those in authority. Whether it's a Donald Trump or a Joe Biden or whomever it might be, God commands his believers to actually, we would pray for those that are in authority. You don't have to like it. There's a lot of times you don't have to like anything, the situation that you're in, but God commands us to pray. And we come to the place of praying, God says the king's hearts are in his hand. So if God wants, he can use any vessel. If he can use me and he can use you, he can use any vessel for his glory. Is that true? So what we do, we commit to praying instead of committing to complaining on social media and hoping there's another 5,000 votes somewhere else and some secret this or secret that. Was there wrongdoing? The answer is if humans are involved, there's always wrongdoing. Amen? There's sinful people because there's people who sin. Is that true? And that's all of us. If, listen, all of us look around. Sinful people because people sin. So if the election didn't go your way... Um, we used to be told when we were little, don't cry over spilt milk, right? So just pray, don't cry, and let's move on. Let's, let's continue to pray to see God's hand at work in our country. Because, listen, we're getting exactly what we deserve as a country. Is that true? You and I have sat by idly and watched babies die by the millions, have we not? Since, since the 70s, over 60 million babies have been aborted in America legally. That's not the illegal ones. And around the world, China picked up on the same uh, idea. and China's aborted... Uh, only God knows how many millions of babies. We sit by and allow that to happen and say, God, we're one nation under God, and God we trust. If we truly trusted God more than we do our politicians, we would change our country. We would speak the truth in people's lives. We would stand at the, at the gate of the entrance of these abortion places and stop them. You say, Pastor, how come you're not doing it? I'm limited by what I can do. I'm one person. But if we mobilize as the people of God and believe his word like Paul does as we look today, we could change the world. But we've come to the place, we've just accepted it. We, we admit defeat before we even begin. We complain more than we pray. 
Everybody walks out and says, I voted. How many I voted stickers did I see when I updated the church's Facebook? Everybody's like, I voted. I did my thing today. Well, your thing is not just to vote, even though we have that right as American citizens. Your thing as a Christian is to pray. I, I thought about it. I told Wendy, I said, I'm going to start printing I prayed stickers today. And everybody that prayed this morning, you get to have a sticker and you can walk out and say, I did my Christian duty. I prayed. How many people would do that? If you would pray more than you vote, and I want you to vote because I voted, we would change the world. But the problem is we vote and then complain because our guy didn't win or our girl didn't win, whatever it might be. We see what the psalmist says, those who have clean hands and a pure heart may come and ascend to the hill of the Lord. Listen, this is what Jesus did. He had clean hands. He was pure. He ascended to the Father, the Bible tells us. But go back, if you would, to Genesis 1-1, first chapter of the first book, first verse in the Bible. What does the Bible say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible's very clear. The earth belongs to whom? God. Say it louder. Who does the, who does the earth belong to? Who do you belong to? If you're a Christian today, the Bible says that you're actually a son of God. So don't think that you're in the family of God just because God created you. You were when God created Adam and Eve. Listen, he created them to be in relationship with him. And they sinned against God and therefore they were estranged. They were put away from God because God cannot have anything to do with sin. They were separated from the love of God. Even though his love was there, he loved them still. He could not accept their sin. And we know that there was always a promise of the Messiah. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And when Jesus came to earth, the Bible says, it repeats, he is here. And he died on the cross, as baptism showed us this morning. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again the third day, and he is alive forevermore. Our Savior is alive. Our God is alive. If you truly have that conviction, listen, you'll speak to anybody. People screaming in your face. People actually that are saying, oh, you Christians, y'all a bunch of ignorant, narrow-minded people. Listen, are you ignorant? Well, I went to Spain when I was in the Navy, and when I was, and I was going to yell, go Navy from the baptism pool, but I didn't think that was appropriate when all the veterans were standing. I, when I was in the Navy, I went to Spain, and guess what I thought everybody in Spain looked like? Nina, can you stand up this morning? I used Nina as an example in school. I thought everybody in Spain looked just like Nina. Darker hair, brown eyes, olive skin. Oh, thanks, Nina. I thought everybody looked like that in Spain. Does anybody else who's never been to Spain think people like that look like that in Spain? You can raise your hand. Thank you, Joey, for being the only honest one in town. Yeah, well, you're predominantly right because there's Spanish-looking people. God has, and we're going to read today that God put every people in their place. Did y'all know that? The geographical place. We're going to read that from the Word of God that he planned it in his book, if you will, to do that. So I get to Spain. I start seeing red-headed people with white skin, blind-headed people. I see dark-skinned people, light-skinned people, all kind of brown-colored skinned people in the world. And I'm like, whoa. I thought everybody looked, because only the Spanish people I thought about when I was a kid was the matadors. I used to love the matadors. That's what I thought everybody looked like. So was I ignorant of the people, of just even the part of Madrid, Spain that I went to, was I ignorant? The answer is, yes, I wasn't stupid about the people of Spain. I just didn't know. So there's a chance for us, can you possibly be ignorant of something that you don't know? The answer is, yes. Or if we're talking Spanish, see. Right? There's things you don't know. So you're ignorant of those things. You're not stupid. You just don't know them. And this is where we're going to find some people today that were ignorant of the name of Jesus Christ. Not stupid people. We'll see by any stretch of the imagination. But they come to the place today. Now, there are some people in the world, the Bible says, there are fools in the world who says there is no God. Psalm 14.1. Is that true? 
So we take what the psalmist says, listen, the earth is the Lord's. He found it upon the seas. He tells us who may enter to his presence. And does God want you to draw near to him? Yes, James says this very clearly. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he has to flee. Today we spend more time talking to the devil and to the evil spirits, whatever might be out there, instead of hanging out with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear. Draw near to him. Draw near. And I want to encourage you, draw near the creator God. Why would we say creator God? Because he is. Amen? Now, let's go to the book of Acts where we are on our journey through the book of Acts. If you've been with us any time, if you're new with us, all of them have been recorded. They're either on Facebook, YouTube, or somewhere out there on our webpage. Go back and look. I've grown as I've preached through the book of Acts. I hope that you've been growing and not groaning, okay? I know it's been a long time, chapter 17. But listen, I've been growing as I preach through the book of Acts because God's word is ministering to my spirit. As I go through it, you say, well, I've read it before. So have I. I've heard preaching on it before. So have I. But when you personally preach it and teach it and go through it systematically, page by page, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, God does something unique. It's like every week, I'm going to talk about Paul. Does anyone think Paul's going to get in trouble in today's passage? Raise your hand. That, that mug, every time we went somewhere, he, he carried trouble with him, right? Mug was a term of endearment with us. So. Everywhere he goes, except when he was in Berea, they were noble people. They accepted what Paul was saying. They checked the scriptures to see if he was telling the truth. But yet those old boys from Thessalonica come down with the gang and stirred up the trouble. And now what's happened is, if you were here last week, the Christian brothers said, Paul, you've got to leave Berea now. You just got here, but you've got to leave again because they come from Thessalonica. We're going to send you down to the coastal city. We're going to send you down to Athens. And by the way, listen, you're going to see in your notes, where do y'all go for relaxation? Does anybody go to the beach? That's your, that's your happy place? Anybody? That's not my happy place. That's my wife's happy place. Not mine. Salt, sand, yeah, seagulls. Who goes to the mountains? That's your happy place. You're like, yeah, that's, oh, we got one. Uh, good. I got a majority. Who goes to the lake? Lake's your, kind of your place to go to. Okay, a few of you, all right. Anybody else like to go to a creekside or somewhere like that? Just get away. Is there another place that I don't know about? Anybody go out in the middle of the field somewhere? I go out on the polo field at nighttime in starry skies. It's, a, it's just beautiful out there to have a time with God. But watch, God knows what Paul's in need of. Paul's been getting his behind whipped every place he goes, has he not? He's been in stone threats. He's been run out of every town he goes into because he preaches Jesus Christ. And the people don't want to hear it. Some don't. The believers believe and the unbelievers don't believe. They come to the place, they want to kill him. Not only do they not want to believe, but they don't want anyone else to believe. And they want to shut him up. Is that how the devil works today? When at your workplace, at school, wherever you might be? He'll come to the place, as long as you don't talk about Jesus, if you can keep talking about God, you're in good shape. Because God is the God that you make him, right? You're God, my God. Don't judge me, I've created my own God. My God loves everybody, and my God would never send anybody to hell. Matter of fact, I don't believe there's a hell. My God, and we say, my God, my God, my God. That's not the God of the Bible. If you don't speak about the God of the Bible, you actually speak about a God that you've created, or someone else has taught you about. Is that true? Until you read the very word of God for yourself and say, oh, this is true about God. Till I read a Psalm 24 and say, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Till I read a Genesis 1-1 that says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So everything that belongs to God is God's. Includes me. Now, how do we get in the family of God? Is to receive the Son of God as your Lord and Savior. He says we're all sinners just like Adam and Eve sinned. 
but we must come to the place that we ask for repent. We repent of our sins. We turn away from our sins. We turn about our stinking thinking, as the old preacher used to say, and turn to God and say, God, I used to think you were all these things. Old man up in heaven with a big white beard, sitting there giving out candy like Santa Claus. Whenever somebody does good, I, you give good. When they do bad, you, you spank them and give bad. Anybody ever have a false thought like that about God sitting up in heaven like an old man? Nobody? So, some people say, well, God's not in charge. Obviously, look at all the ill and, and the sin that's around. God's not in charge. He let my mama die. He let my brother die. He let this happen. There's no way God's in charge of all that. And we minimize God to a man like we would think that God would actually fix our problems. We want to isolate God to our problems. Let's look at Acts chapter 17 and see what Paul preaches to three groups of people. He's going to see them. And you're here today. You might be one of these groups. Well, you are in one of these groups. He's going to speak specifically to the Jewish people at the synagogue. He's going to specifically speak to those who are God-fearers, not, not Jews, but Gentiles. He's going to speak to those people who don't belong, obviously, uh, to God, but they've come to the place that they're trying to have an understanding of, um, uh, of who God is. They're hanging out with the Jews. And then finally, we have those people who actually come to the place. They're philosophers. They have no understanding whatsoever of who God is. Never heard about Jesus Christ. All right? We're going to get those people. People and look and see. And what uh, uh, is security? If you just go outside right uh, outside the door, just do a check for me out here if you would. All right, let's read together. Acts chapter 17. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Pick up in verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, and by the way, he's waiting because the brothers have sent him there because they're trying to kill him back in uh, Berea now because the Thessalonica crowd, the gang has come to hurt him. And what the brothers do, if you look at your notes, the Christian brothers, look at your notes, brought Paul to Athens for his safety. They also bring him somewhere. God allowed them to bring Paul to Athens for his next divine appointment. You see, God had a plan for Paul to get to the coast. Now, what does Paul do when he gets to the coast? He's waiting for Silas and Timothy. He sends orders, hey, send them back to me. Send them, send them to me and when they come. But what's he doing in the meantime? He's gonna, well, he hadn't preached yet. He's getting ready to. What's he doing? When he's, what, what do you do whenever? What are we doing for Christmas right now? Anybody buying Black Friday specials before Black Friday? Kind of storing some stuff away? My wife's the most famous person, infamous person to store stuff. What is this? It's a Christmas present. Got it on sale. I saved money. I said, you didn't save any money. It cost me money when you bought that. There's no saving money when you spend money. Is that true? Man, does your wife do that? I saved 50% on that. No, you didn't. You spent 50% of the cost, right? It was money that went out. Well, we come to this place. Paul's at the coast. What do you do when you're at the beach? You ever been to a town? Obviously... Uh, my car was having been serviced uh, a couple weeks ago over at Tyler Tire. I go over there, good family friends, and I drop off the car and I took my bicycle. Actually, it was a church van I was dropping off for service. Took my bicycle in the back. So I'm just gonna ride around over on uh, Highland Park in that area over there. Do you know why it's called Highland Park? Because there's a whole bunch of high hills back there. I didn't know that. I didn't listen. I didn't know it was that hilly. I rode back there. I'm having to call boot camp left, right, left, right, just to get up those hills. And I almost got off the bike and pushed it. That's how bad Highland Park is. So I don't encourage you to do that. But when you walk around, you'll start noticing things. If you walk around Aiken, you'll see a cement wall in the middle of nowhere. That used to be a building. You'll find an old monument or something that actually was dedicated to something else. Walk around downtown and see all the different signs. We do scavenger hunts for the students at school every year downtown. There's always something new that's been dedicated to that something happened at this place or something happened at that place. Do you all do that? Does anybody else do that? The brown, are you any brown sign people in the room with me? If you see a brown sign, you need to stop and go check it out. 
drive up to a cow pasture and it's like, this isn't very exciting. My family hates that. So when Wendy goes to the beach, I try to find the local library. And I go spend all my time in the library reading. And she's like, that is so nerdy. I'm not a nerd. I, don't, I never liked to read when I was a kid. But all the, all the stuff I find and I look for anything that's like a clue that might be interesting. And I go to that place. Well, Paul has been sent to Athens. Obviously, I believe he's in his nice suit of purple. Remember, I can't prove that in the Bible. But I believe he's prepared for this. Because I'm going to show you where he gets, a, he gets an audience. And he has to be dressed for this to speak to these men. If he's bummed out in some bummed out clothes they ripped off of him and sewed back up and put on him, these men would not accept him. So I think God's prepared him. He had to take a beating and lose his clothes to get some clothes from Lydia, the, the maker of purple, right? So I believe she's got him prepared. I believe she gave him some, uh, as my wife's grandmother used to say, Nana used to say, here's a little money to jingle in your pocket. So she'd always give the kids a little bit of money. She'd always, it's just a little money to jingle in your pocket. And I believe Lydia gave Paul some money to jingle in his pocket. It was expensive to travel in this time, just like it is in our day. Inflation was true. They had to pay to get where he's at. So they get to this place, and Paul's waiting. He's waiting. But he, listen, I'm going to show you something. He's actively waiting, and I want you to see that first point. Paul actively waited on Silas and Timothy in Athens. He did not know what God was planning, but he trusted God. He's actively waiting. How do you actively wait? You just sit at home kicking up, watching Fox News, CNN, or some other news station. Well, Lord, your will be done. Now you have to get off your backside and get into the marketplace like Paul did. you got to make a phone call or pray, Lord, what would you have me do today while I'm waiting? And Henry Blackaby spoke from this pulpit, the best thing he ever told me and taught me, and he told our church and the community, those people who come, keep doing the last thing that God told you to do, that you know that God told you to do, until he changes your new assignment. So people say, I don't know what to do with my life. Keep doing the same thing you were doing until God clearly changes your assignment. Let me ask you this as a church. Do you honestly believe that God can speak with clarity in your life? Without a shadow of it, you won't mistake him. You can't make a mistake. Do you think God can speak so clearly that you can hear him and understand fully what he wants you to do? Yes or no? If he's God of all creation, can he do it? The answer is absolutely. Paul's coming to this place. He's actively waiting. I want you to see this. Verse 16, now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Everywhere he went, there was an idol. He's walking around town like I do when I walk around town. He's looking going, good grief. They have a, a god to, to Zeus. And y'all, y'all had to study Greek mythology if you come through school. And you, you got, these people believe all kind of crazy things, right? 17, therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who, ha- who happen to be there. Well, he's come to the place. He's done a little bit different. Some, some theologians argue that, well, maybe this isn't Paul, or maybe Paul's changed his tactic because Paul is afraid of the Athenians. Those are people of Athens, right? Aconite, we're Aconites, Athenians. And that's not the case at all. <clears throat> Paul was done. He said, I'll become all things to all people, so by doing so, I might save some. He's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'll show you from the word of God. But he's come to this place. Now, we see him here. He's come to the place that he first goes to every Saturday. Where does he hook up? Synagogue, that's usually where he gets in trouble, isn't it? So he went to the synagogue first. After the synagogue, Paul didn't just stop on Saturday now. He knows this is a short stop. Maybe God shared something with him. But what else, where else does he go besides the synagogue? He goes to the marketplace. Do we have marketplaces today? This is a model for how we actually do evangelism as well. One of the ways, there's many ways. But can we go into the marketplace and share the love of Jesus Christ with people? Yeah, there's people without the knowledge or love of Christ. Well, here's these two groups of philosophers. And they wouldn't have heard him at the synagogue. They would, have heard him, they would have heard him speak in the marketplace. Verse 18, Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers 
encountered him, and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. Because, I marked this in my Bible, and I wish you'd underline it, because what did he do? Because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19, and they took him and brought him, not with force, and they encouraged him. This is actually a, a kind of a, they're bringing him in too because he's got a foreign teaching. And these people love to stand around and learn and learn and learn. This is what socialism looks like. If you ever want to know what socialism is, nobody's working. Y'all go ahead and pay the bills. We're going to stand around and talk about it. Y'all know people like that? Hey, if y'all just feed me, y'all clothe me, we'll sit around and we'll actually get all these new teachings and we'll bottle them up and print them for you, right? Today we call that college, right? <laughs> Professors that teach crazy doctrines and there's a professor, it was, I don't know if he or she is still there, but there were students coming to our church that sent me emails saying, Pastor, would you at least read this information? There's a professor, or was it a professor at the University of South Carolina here in Aiken teaching that the earth is still flat? Not as a matter of philosophy, as a matter of fact, that the earth is flat. Now, if you're a flat earther, listen, you need some help. I, I just want to be honest with you. Listen, that's the most foolish thing on the planet. And they'll give all these reasonings, and Pastor, please just read it and try to understand that the earth is flat. Delete, delete, delete. But these are people who are in prominent positions. And university today is not necessarily geared just for to grow the education of our students. It's for indoctrination, that your kids will teach, learn the way they want them to learn. Oh, all that foolish stuff you learned in the past from the south or from the north or the west or east, wherever you learned it, get rid of that. Here's the new enlightenment. Everybody wants to be enlightened. Isn't that true? And we'll, we'll run after a new teaching. Will we not? Well, people run after a new teaching. I was sharing, I was listening to, I know I was driving from Atlanta to Greenville and listening to NPR because the radio couldn't pick up anything else. And they were talking about how people are spending Thanksgiving this, this year. Some people are going to fix green beans. Some people are going to fix the turkey and they're going to sit and this one family just eats green beans while everybody else eats turkey and bread and gravy because they want to suffer because families are suffering because of COVID. COVID's real, but how foolish. And people say, oh, that's admirable just to eat green beans on Thanksgiving. Well, I despise green beans. If I was the family that got green bean choice, I wouldn't have a I wouldn't be happy at all. I'd be thankful that I have food, but not happy. Y'all, there's a lot of foolish thinking out there that people are actually just telling it as a matter of fact, and people are walking right into it. Matter of fact, the theory of evolution. Has anyone ever been taught the theory of evolution? Raise your hand if you've ever been taught it. Look around. That's where they tell us our little tailbone comes from, and our tail fell off because we used to hang from the trees or swim with it. Y'all, the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and he formed man out of the dust of the ground. You can't have it both ways. You can't have God create a perfect man, breathing the breath of life into him, and have some pond scum turn into a monkey who turns into a man. You can't have it both ways. Well, I was taught there was cavemen who drugged the women around like this and looked around and, and, and traded them for and bartered for things, egg, uh, seashells for other things, right? Were y'all taught that? How foolish. God made a perfect man, and we've gotten dumber ever since. Is that true? Yes, if he was perfect, had full use of his brain, we've gotten wiser in our own ways. We've gotten lazy because how many kids are there graduate high school and you know what they want to be? And I ask them when they come to our school, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a computer programmer. I want to be a video game maker. I want to sit and play video games all day. Don't raise your hand. There's kids in this room that, that that's all they want to do. Give me a tablet and let me sit there all day long. And kids will waste their whole day like this. And they'll be so, the brain so disengaged. Bowen got his concussion in football. You know what the first thing the doctor said, the old doctor said? 
Take away all stimulating of the brain. Put him in a dark room. Don't let him have much communication. Feed him if he wants to feed him, but let him sleep. Especially don't let him have his phone because his brain's trying to process all those different processes because a concussion is a brain damage that the students have. And it took him a couple of days to recover. And if a doctor would come to a place and recognize it's causing our brain damage, do you think it's causing damage in your brain? Anybody ever try to look at the screen in the morning when your eyes, they're making down, and a lot of the young people wearing glasses now, right, because of blue glare glasses? Y'all, y'all know about those? People who don't need glasses are wearing glasses so they, the screen won't affect their eyes. All these new teachings come up to place. Watch this. Paul was facing the same thing with less technology. He comes to the place looking to notice while he waited. He walked around the town of Athens. He became convicted. He became convicted in his spirit that the Athenians brought glory to idols instead of the one true God. Church, do you have any convictions whatsoever? Is there anything that you stand on no matter what people say and what, no, matter what the people, no matter what the world does around you? If you're standing on a piece of burning earth that's left, that you'll stand on those convictions bar none. Today, everybody just flip-flops. Whatever you want to, what do you want me to say? I'll do what you want me to do so I'll, I'll, I'll get along, right, so I can get along, right? I'll do what you want me to do. There's a time, listen, for people, especially Christians, to stand on what we believe is true. And it's convictions where these people are bringing glory to all these dumb idols. Somebody's made them with their own hands and set them aside, and they're in the marketplace selling the idols to the God, whomever it might be. And you can list all the gods they worshipped. Because we know they worshipped a lot of gods. Let's keep reading in the Word of God. What does he say? Verse 19, they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we, this is Mars Hill, and may we know this new doctrine, and doctrine just means teaching, is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. And I believe some of these philosophers were salesmen as well. They would, the, the, the silversmiths making little idols, like, hey, dude, go go philosophize about this. And they were in cahoots with each other because if, he, if I was espousing philosophy about some God and you made the God, guess what? We were in profits together, right? Mankind always, if you get down to the bottom, mankind wants money, right? Money talks, is that true? In our country and around the world. Watch what happens. And for the Athenians, they're sitting around, the foreigners, verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and he said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, that's where today's sermon title came from, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, therefore the one, capital O, one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it. Does that sound like Genesis 1, Psalm 24? Where does Paul start with the educated men here? These are not the Jews and Gentiles anymore. These are the philosophers. These are the third group. These are the educated men who are standing around teaching and talking. Where does he start? He starts in the beginning. And if Paul believed that God created the heavens and the earth, listen, did Paul believe in evolution? You say, Pastor, I wasn't around until then. That tells you it's a new thought process, is it not? You say, Pastor, I believe in in evolution in the sense that that God started theistic evolution. I don't. I don't believe in the gap theory. I don't believe in the Dade theory. I don't believe God's out of control. I don't believe the earth is spinning and everything's happening around the world. I don't believe God is like in heaven going, oh, no, I can't stop it from spinning. If you have that idea of God, you have a false God, not the God of the Bible. 
our God is sovereign. He's in charge of all things. You say, even hurricanes when they come and destroy and kill people? Even hurricanes when they come and destroy people. He said, well, I can't wrap my mind around that. Keep reading the scriptures. Trust in God. Draw near to God. He said, well, God, my God of love would never do that. Listen, I'm telling you, you have the wrong God. You've created a God that you could serve, and that really makes you God. Did you know that? If I can create a God, that makes me God. Is that true? If I can control him or her, and I can make them do or say what I want them to do or say, that makes me God. That makes me in control. And how many people want to be in control? What does Satan, if you kept reading Genesis, did God really say that you can't have any of the fruit of the garden? No, no, no. We can have all the fruit of the garden except the one in the middle. We can't touch that one. Or we can't even look at it. And Satan says, the day that you look at it, the day that you eat it, God knows that you'll be like him. Was it true? That she knew good from evil, did she not, that day? So he told a half-truth. But what happens? Ever since then, every man, woman, boy, girl wants to be God, right? You ever thought about having the power of God? You ever had, most of us want power when we get frustrated. If I could just have a lightning bolt, I'd, I'd take care of that person, right? Right? We've seen too many supernatural movies, right? You ever thought like that? If I just had that power one time, if I just had one wish, a genie, whatever it might be, if I could just do that. There's people who go to palm readers. Y'all, there's a psychic palm reader on uh, Silver Bluff Road. She just moved, right, back in the day, and she reads your palm. If you want your palm read, we have red paint in the back. Agreed? Let me just tell you, if you want your palm read, we have red paint. We'll spray it or paint it. Don't mess around with those foolish people who dabble in evil. Stick with the one true God who has a plan for your life. He knows you. He created you in your mother's womb. The Bible says in Psalm 139, he knit you together. He knows who you are. He knows how you're leaning, which way you like, which you don't like. He knows who you are better than you know who you are. And he wants what's good. He wants to see you prosper. But listen, you might have to go through trouble times like Paul. Watch what Paul does. He stands up and he says, verse 24, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men. Listen, this is me and you. He's talking about us, y'all. Listen, this is you. You want to see your name in the Bible? You want to see your place in the Bible? We're part of this group right here. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. He knows that you're going to be here. You cut me, I cut you. We put blood together. Listen, we're from one blood. Adam and Eve is our grandma and grandpa, our grandpa and grandma. Did you know that? We are of one blood. But what does Satan do? He comes in and says, you're from a socioeconomic status. You're rich, you're poor. You're black, you're white, you're brown. You're whatever color. Listen, Satan comes in and tries to cause the confusion and separates us. And God's, Paul is saying, listen, I want to bring you together. He is one God. He has one blood. Listen, you cut us. We're of the same family. He gives us the breath. He gives us life. He gives us all things. Verse 27 says, so they should seek the Lord, come to the place in hope that they might grope for him, groan for him, want him, and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Y'all, is God far from you? Come on, church, family. Is God far from you? then why aren't you experiencing God daily? Why aren't you having a love relationship with him every day? If the Bible says he's not far from you, he's talking to philosophers who had never heard about Jesus Christ. We're people who have a church on every corner, right? God is near, and we should draw near to him, the book of James says, and when we draw near to him, listen, he draws near to us. God never moves except to come closer to you and me. 
If you feel like God's far away, there's something wrong with you. It's not that, you have a, that you're a messed up person. You're just making the wrong decisions. He loves you. God loves you, and he wants you to be close to him. He wants to have an intimate love relationship with you. He wants to walk through life with you. He's not mad at you. He's not bringing judgment on you. I used to think God was like Zeus, going to hit me with a lightning bolt every time I made a bad decision. That's the way I grew up. Had a, I had a strong, overpowering dad sometimes. And, I, and, I, and we see God as we see our fathers. If your father left or you don't have your father in your life or he's not actually modeling Christ for you, listen, I'm sorry. But turn to your heavenly father who loves you. He's perfect. He knows all things. He knows you. And he'll lead you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's finish. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being as also some of your poets, own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. And Paul's not talking about us being little gods here. He's talking about us being a creation of God. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art that man's devising. Truly, uh, these times of ignorance God overlooked. Y'all listen, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that time of ignorance, he's overlooked. You might have been in a church that didn't teach you Properly, listen, he's overlooked that time. But now God commands all men everywhere to what? What's your Bible say? Come on, church, say it louder. God commands every man, every place to do what? Amen. To repent. And that means to turn away from your old ways. You're going towards sin as fast as you can, doing everything you want to do. God wants you to turn away from that sin, turn back to the holy life of Christ, turn to Christ and say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you forgive me? I repent of my sins. I turn away from my sins. I turn away from my thinking about God, and I turn to you the way the Bible says I should turn to you. This is what Paul is preaching. You must repent. And after you repent, what happens? It's not left just there. Come to the place. Listen, he's very clear. You must repent. But verse 31, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, that's Jesus, whom he has ordained. He has given assurance to all this, uh, to all by raising him from the dead. As soon as they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some mocked him, while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. Listen, don't put it off today. Some of these people never got to hear it again, and they died and went to hell. And forever they'll hear Paul preaching in the Areopagus. You must repent. God has no judgment day that's coming. Forever and ever and ever eternity, they will hear Paul preaching this message. You must repent. You must turn to the resurrected Jesus Christ. Listen, you are here today. You say, I don't believe any of this stuff. I don't believe this. That's not my problem. Listen, the truth is found in the Word of God. God gave us His Word so we could understand it. I'm giving you the truth as I understand it from the Word of God, as you understand it from the Word of God. This is the crazy thing about Scripture. If you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God will tell you the truth and say, Amen and Amen. That's true what He's saying. That's true what this book says. I have to repent. I have to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ, or else I'm going to be dead and separated from God for eternity in a place called hell. You have to come to the Word of God and say, Listen, where does the idea of hell come from? From the Word, the idea of sin. From the Word, the idea of salvation. From the Word, it's a biblical idea. We must come by the way of Christ or we won't come at all. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, woman, boy, or girl comes to the Father except through me. You don't have to like that. That's just the truth. Enter by the narrow way. Everybody wants to live the world's way and say, Jesus, you just accept me the way I am because that's how I was born. I was born in this community. I was born in this culture. And that's just how we are. That's how our people are. You ever hear people talk like that? Our people. What did Paul say about your people? 
your people is our people. We are one people, one body, all right, one blood. We come from the same Adam and Eve. Is that true? So when people talk about our people, yeah, you might live on the, in the old Mill Hills. That's when we used to go down in Buffalo, South Carolina, on the Mill Hill. We lived out in the country, but we'd go to the, that was, I guess then for us it was a city, wasn't it, Steve? I guess. We'd go down and train tracks. We didn't have trains in our town. And we were like crazy. We would run the trussles. Y'all ever see the big trussle, train trussles? We thought those were cool, so we would run across them until the train came. And then we would climb down the middle of it, and we'd be, I mean, we were way off the ground, stories off the ground, not having any kind of, we were ignorant. We were probably stupid, borderline stupid. When they hear the train coming, we didn't have time to get off the trussle. So we just dip in between the trussle and climb down all the way to the creek bed. I know, my mother didn't know half the stuff. But they would turn us out. Did y'all ever do that when we were kids? Y'all got 360 apps on your kids, helping your kids around the neighborhood somewhere watching. You're trying to watch where your kid is, and you're monitoring. They used to just turn us out and say, go. We'd come back at nighttime, and what'd y'all do today? Nothing. It was always, no, I mean, we didn't know what the, what do you say? <laughs> if we told you, you wouldn't believe us anyway, so nothing. Y'all, that's what it used to be, wasn't it? There was trust in the family. There was trust in the neighborhood. There were some weirdos in the neighborhood, too, but everybody knew who they were. They were, they were, they were isolated people that actually did those vile things. Today, you don't know who the bad guy is. We've got to look on, on the predator list that the sheriff's department keeps to see if he lives in my neighborhood or she lives in my neighborhood. You always keep a close guard on your kid. Shut your garage door. Lock the gate. Put a fence around your house. Keep us in here, y'all out there. The brotherly love has gone far, far away. The Bible says in the last days, the love of many is going to wax cold. It means it's going to get old. We don't trust each other. Somebody trust your government? Anybody have full trust in the United States government? Well, you're a fool if you do. And it's not the government's not something. It's a bunch of people. Right? The government, so we talk about the government like some odd thing. It's a bunch of people making decisions in America. They work for us. Let your voice be heard. Let me give these notes real quick. And by the way, some people mock Paul, but if you read down and keep reading, others trust and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me get them to you. Paul initially reasoned with the Jews and Gentile worshipers in the synagogue and the marketplace. He reasoned with them. Hey, he's trying to tell them, didn't he do that before? Because why do you have to reason with somebody? Because they resist what you're saying is true. He reasoned with those people. Paul encountered the philosophers in the marketplace, and they were interested in his new teachings. They escorted him to the place of philosophy, to the Areopagus, Mars Hill. They wanted to take him to the place of prominence. And y'all have seen the pictures today of, of even the, what's the, the ruins that are left in Athens. Paul was there when it was in its full stride. And he was teaching, he was standing and preaching, and I believe he was in his purple outfit that Lydia made for him. I really do. The Athenians and the foreigners wanted to hear the latest word. They sought the strange doctrines. They wanted, hey, teach us that new teaching. What, what are you teaching us? Uh, oh, oh I didn't, I've never heard that. And today people are taking thoughts, and they're trying to take an old thought and a new thought and put it together, and they're calling it something new. And they want to they speak a word over you, and they want to tell you a truth, right? And uh, something I found, and watch, be careful. If it's not scriptural, listen, Paul told Timothy, stop those crazy wives' tales that are going on in the church. Stop it. Are there crazy thoughts today? Me and Adrian were talking about some of the crazy thoughts. He's been teaching on Thursday nights. He's been teaching some of those crazy thoughts. We just laugh because it's like, how foolish can some of these thoughts be? But people make it up. People believe it. If you go overseas, they have witch doctors, and they'll tell you to do certain things. And it, it's crazy that people will believe this. But people have always wanted to teach me something else. Tell me something I don't know. You ever hear people tell you that? Unless you're in school. Then they don't want to learn anything. All right? 
Paul preached against the sin of idolatrous religious zeal. Paul introduced the one true God. That's what he introduced. And what's the one true God's name? What's his name? Church, what's his name? Say it louder. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. Paul preached about God as creator. This is, I believe you can tell this when you share with your friends. If somebody says, I don't believe God created the heavens and the earth. I believe if you don't believe the creation story, you won't believe the salvation story. It ties together. If God's word says it, listen, I come to the place of believing it, right? It's by faith. Paul preached about the creator, God as creator. Paul preached repentance. Paul preached judgment. And Paul preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And church, the same thing that happened to Paul is going to happen to you. Last thing in your notes. Some men mocked Paul, but some believed and were saved. Your family might make fun of you as being that, going to that church or being that religion. Unless you come to the place, we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? We come to the place that I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. You say, well, I don't believe that. Then you go against everything that I believe and everything that the Word of God teaches. This is a good thing about being a pastor and preacher. It's kind of relatively easy. If you've got thick skin, you just say what God says about a situation. Want to speak about our culture today? Hey, listen, let me just ask you. Let me give you a quick test. What does God say about homosexuality? Is that a sin against God? If you're actively engaged in homosexuality, can you go to heaven? People say, well, wait, wait, let me explain it. Some people say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm a homosexual. Galatians says, Galatians chapter 5, go read it for yourself. It says, if you're engaged in this type of relationship, people who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Can you violate God's word and say, God, you're going to take me anyway just like I am? I'm asking you, can you, church? How about the sin of abortion? Can you be forgiven for it? Yes, all sins you can be forgiven for. But can you actually be engaged? And some of those women are, pr I'm proud of my abortion. Have you seen the signs of women carrying them? It would bring shame and reproach. We don't talk about uh, single motherhood anymore. Listen, it's just kind of a thing, right? When I was a kid, if somebody got married, got uh, pregnant out of wedlock, it was a shameful thing. Like no one talked about it. Like it was something that was embarrassing for the family. It was embarrassing for both families. And then we come to the place, it was a place of shame. We'd say, listen, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sorry that happened and, and how can we help? It was always a restoration, we want to restore. Today, what do we do? Oh, God, God's creation. Pastor, don't, don't call this sin. We, we, we celebrate in our family. This baby was born. Truly, it's born of life. God gives all life. But that baby was born in sin. Amen? We don't talk about it anymore because, listen, Pastor, you know about taboo things that are old-fashioned. Well, these old-fashioned things come from the Word of God. Is adultery sin? Is fornication, sex before marriage a sin? If God says it's a sin, guess what, church? It's a sin. It doesn't matter what they say in Congress. It doesn't matter what they say out in Washington State. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says, what your mama says, what anybody else says. If it's against the Word of God, listen, it comes to the place, it's sin. And we have to call sin, sin. Now, we have our choice sins, don't we? We like to gripe and complain about people, talk behind their back, slander. Well, the Lord has got to look out for those, right? That's just who I am. Everybody in my family does like that. You ever do that? Sin of worry. How many of you guys don't raise your hand because it's sin? Don't, don't, don't. I'm not a Catholic priest. Don't confess to me. How many of you worry daily? You worry about this country. Oh, dear Lord. Joe Biden might be the president of the United States. Right? Oh, Donald Trump might be the president. Might be illegal. Everybody's worrying about everything. Why? We serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords, creator of God. Salvation, listen, only comes through him. He's in charge. Say it with me. I, I, I want to ease your mind. So y'all text this on social media, okay? 
Y'all go and get your phones out and do it this morning. And just text it out. Say it with me. God. Come on, church and friends. Say it. God. He's in charge of everything. God said worry is a sin. You want to do it again? Come on, let's do it again. Everybody, deep voice. God is in charge of everything. God said worry is a sin. So here's the deal. Don't worry. Trust God. Amen? Can we come to that place? You say, you don't know my nature. Okay, so your nature is, might be one of a cat on a hot tin roof, right? <laughs> I'm afraid of everything. Here's the deal. Trust God. You need to get deeper into his word, right? If you have a problem, if your problem is, if there's a sin problem, whether it's worry, whether it's stress, whether it's anxiety, you go down the list, psychologists, psychiatrists are writing more prescriptions today than they've ever done before. Your prescription might just need to be to see the great physician, King Jesus, and see what he prescribes for you. You know what he's going to give you? A heavy dose of this, a heavy dose of praise, and a heavy dose of prayer. You're going to come to the place, if you've truly repented of your sins, you've put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, just like Paul told those philosophers, just like Paul told the Jews, just like Paul told the Gentiles, listen, you must repent and be born again. If you follow through with what Jesus says about your life, guess what's going to happen? You're going to do it God's way. That's what's going to happen. You get God's results. Every, say it with me. You do it God's way, what do you get? Every single time because God is the creator of the universe. Some people say, I think I can do it my way. Pastor, listen, has somebody actually say this to me. My life's pretty good. I'm not a Christian. I'm making good money. I live in a good house. I have a nice family. Why should I change anything? What should you tell that person? If you were to counsel that person, they were listening by Facebook today, or YouTube or whatever way in the place, what would you tell that person? Why should I change? Everything's good in my life. It's temporary. That's exactly right. They're, they're, we were built for everlasting life. And if you live for yourself and all your stuff, and somebody like these philosophers said, hey, come back another time. We'll, we'll listen to you at another time. When you tell me to repent of my sins, when you tell me Jesus is the only way to repent and come to him, I, let me think about it. I like that new thought. Let me, let, I'll hear you at another time. Listen. You might not have another time. Is that true? We were taking Wendy to Atlanta, and right on the Skaga Lake Road, a lady came over the hill and hit a semi-truck, and her vans flipped over in the, on the side of the road, and people were, like, shining flashlights on her. I climbed up on the van, got into the top with her, and said I tried to talk her through, and the ambulance was coming. And she never knew that day. Listen, she had a purse. She was dressed to go somewhere. She never knew that that day was going to be the day that she was going to have that accident. I don't know how she is. Her name was Debbie. So I want to pray for her as I dismiss today. Pray for Debbie. But y'all, listen, you never know when accident's going to happen or when your life's going to be over. Don't say tomorrow we'll do this. James warns us, listen, don't say what you'll do tomorrow. Because no one knows who holds tomorrow except for whom? God. Keep a short account with God, y'all. Let's pray. Father God, we pray for our brothers and sisters today. And even friends that came to church today that don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I pray that your will would be done, that, that many would be saved that would listen by Facebook or social media of any type, that we would be the people who would actually go out and preach the gospel to those who are looking and wanting and wanting to know there's got to be more to life than just this. We pray for those people. But Father, I pray uh, for, for Debbie for that full recovery, Father, for her who was in that accident. I pray you would actually help her sustain life and, Lord, continue to enjoy life. 
And if she doesn't know Christ, I pray for her that she would receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, today this is serious business Paul preached, and we know that he's going to face the people in Corinth next week. And it, it seems like every week, every time we read another story in the Word of God, that the gospel is stirring up problems in people's lives, and we know it does, because people love their sin and living in it. And you cause us to repent of that sin and change, to give up our drugs and alcohol and those loose living. You call us to, to repent, turn away from all the filthiness of this world. And it makes some people so angry they want to kill people. They want to shut preachers up. They want to shut Christians down because they don't want to hear it because they enjoy their sin. And they think everybody around them must leave them alone and say, that's just how I am. Lord, truly, that's how all of us really are. We're sinful, born in sin, sinners from birth, in need of a Savior. And Father, I pray you would prick the heart of that sinner that's here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. They might leave here angry and frustrated. Those who are watching might be frustrated. Father, the Word of God would never return void. And they have to know what Paul said to those philosophers. And what we say today, we preach the same word. We must repent of our sins. That means turn away from our sins and turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Only you can save. And Father, I pray that you would save many today. Help us be the witnesses for you in the marketplace, in the meeting place, wherever you send us, Father, because you told us to go, make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them. And Father, to the best of our ability, we want to obey you and watch you work. We bless your name today. In Jesus' name, for his sake, amen.